Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, I'm Joe. For those of you who don't know me, I'm an elder here at Community Bible Church. I'm very honored to uh, come up and share with you guys today. Um, we're continuing our series through the, uh, through the Psalms. And today, um, in the past couple weeks, we have learned different concepts that are working through the Psalms. So Pastor Sam talked about sin and forgiveness. Last week, Pastor Mario talked about salvation. So this week, we're going to look at where we see sanctification in the book of Psalms. So we're going to unpack all that. So I know it's a big word, and so we're going to unpack all that here in a minute. But first, uh, please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much that we can come together, Lord, and just learn what your word has to say. Lord, I ask that you be with this time. Give us focus. And Lord, may your words be heard. Not mine, but yours and yours alone, Lord. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. All right, so I'm going to say a word. It's probably going to elicit a lot of feelings, maybe bring back some bad memories. I apologize in advance, but that word is puberty, right? Everybody in this room has gone through it or is in the process of going through it or will go through it. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Um, it's a rough time, right? It was a rough time for all of us. It wasn't fun. I know for me personally, it was not. Like it was greasy, smelly, and irritable. So thankfully, it didn't last forever, right? Just imagine for a second, you get to that point where things are starting to change and you're, you stop and you're stuck there, right? An irritable, smelly, greasy teenager forever. No, not good, not good. I, I can't imagine. Um, that sounds miserable. I wouldn't want to be stuck there. Thankfully, that's not how God created us. That's not how his design works. And we don't reach that awkwardness and just stay there. We grow. We mature into adulthood. We learn and we change. That's what happens. So much like our lives after salvation, we're not meant to just stay in one spot. God saves us and we stop. That's not how it works. That's not how God designs it. So we're going to dig into that concept a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about where we see this concept in Psalms in the book. So sanctification, what does it mean? So here we see it is the progressive work of God to make a believer more like Jesus to set, apart, to set them apart for God's special purpose. So that's what it is, right? It's a progressive work of God that he's working through us so that we can be set apart, so that we can be different. That's what it is. We ask Jesus into our heart, we're made new, and then we grow. Um, let's look at Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. This is what God's desire for us to be set apart and different. Consecrate us, therefore, and be or consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So it's God that's doing this. He's changing us, but also, as we'll see, 
we have a responsibility. Uh, R.C. Sproul, a theologian, author, preacher, and he kind of puts it in this framework. So after a confession of faith, a person is truly converted, and then sanctification happens. It's necessary, he says. It has to happen. It's inevitable. It will happen. And then also, he says, it's immediate. That process begins. So we ask Christ in our heart, and then it happens, and it starts. Okay? That's what um, R.C. says about it. So we are redeemed and made righteous before God because of the work of Christ. And it is impossible for a converted person to remain unchanged. A true confession of faith, a true belief in salvation that Jesus came, died for our sins on the cross, rose again, and cleansed us is the true beginning of this process. It's impossible for a converted person to not change in their heart. So let's look at Romans 3, verses 23 and 24. And this is what Paul says about this, this kind of process here. We've all sinned, fall short of the glory, glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only way this change is going to happen. This is the only way that we're going to be set apart and made holy is through Christ. The only way. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, or verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So after we see this, or we, we see that we've been redeemed, we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're made new. Uh, in Ezekiel, he talks about um, how God will take the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. That's what's happening. So after this process, we are made clean in Jesus Christ and we are to strive for holiness. Now we are called to do something and not just stand still. We are called to grow and mature in our faith and be imitators of Christ. Right? So it's a call to do something. Our faith is not stagnant. It doesn't just, and we're going to talk more about this here in a second, but it doesn't just sit. Okay, I believe in Jesus. He died for my sins. That's awesome. Let's rock and roll. I'm going to go, you know, spy on my neighbor. I'm going to go talk bad about my best friend. I'm going to go do some all crazy stuff. But it's okay because I'm redeemed. No. Or I'm just going to sit, I'm just, things aren't going to change. I'm going to stay the same. I don't like change. Change is a bummer. It's not how it works. So in Philippians chapter 2, this is a very important verse. So I would recommend that you highlight it. Remember it. This is a good one. Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we're to work out our faith, right? Not with panic and desperation and alarm, but rather with awe and reverence. It's important. 
That's what that means. To work out our salvation with fear and trembling means that it's important. That we're supposed to take stock of that. We're supposed to know that this is a big deal. This is not something that we're just supposed to take idly by, but we're supposed to work on it and work through it. As believers, our sanctification process is based on obedience to the statutes of God in the example of Christ. There it is. I'm going to say that one more time. The process is based on obedience to the statutes of God in the example of Christ. And like I said, we must do this with awe and reverence and not with uh, panic and alarm. So I'm going to read uh, another passage here from the book of Thessalonians. You guys can turn there if you would like. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to uh, just look at verses 4 through 8. Or I'm sorry, 1 through 8. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received, us, received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, and you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you will abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you will know to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, and we told you before, beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gave his Holy Spirit to you. Strong words from Paul, right? It's very serious that we're not supposed to be called to, after we hear the news of Christ and we have a relationship with him, we're not called to just stay the same and stick to the life of impurity. We're to change, we're to be different, we're to follow after God's statutes to be set apart, to be different. That's our pursuit. That's what we're to do. And I'm just going to read this one more time. Verse 8, Therefore, who disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. I don't want to live a life like that, where I hear what God expects from me and what he wants me to do and disregard it. The king of the universe, the father who created us, who sent his son to die for us, asks us to do this and to, to do this process of becoming a reflection of Christ. So that's kind of what sanctification is and where we see it. So in, in throughout scripture where we see it. So we're just going to take a second and we're going to see what sanctification is not. Okay, this is what it isn't. And a lot of the times, things get mixed up. People get confused. So we're at that first one, uh, perfectionism. So this is not an instant cure from sin. We will still battle with our flesh and struggle with choosing with what is God and what is our flesh. Like I said at the beginning, 
right? It's a process, right? Uh, any Browns fans in the room, right? Yeah. <laughs> so building a good team, right? It just doesn't come overnight, right? It's a process, at least with some teams, right? Sometimes they get there with the Browns, sometimes maybe not, um, but it's a process. You make some mistakes, maybe draft the wrong player, uh, things don't work out, then you have to trade them, and the process starts over again, right? So that's what this is. Sanctification is a process. It's not, boom, I'm saved, I've accepted Christ in my heart, I'm holy. I'm not going to sin again. You know, I'm not going to have any kind of lustful thoughts. I'm not going to uh, maybe swear at somebody who cut me off, or I'm not going to wish somebody harm who made me upset. We all struggle. I make mistakes every day. And I, it's not, that's not what sanctification is. We struggle. We wrestle with things. We hurt. We question. All this happens. We're not made perfect right away. That doesn't happen until glorification. When Jesus comes back. When we die, when we go to heaven, new heaven, new earth, then sin is gone in our bodies. But uh, we see this example from Paul. And I'm, I'm sure you guys know where I'm going with this. Uh, look at, uh, we can look at Romans uh, chapter 7, verses 14 through 18. For now we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I, if I to do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what it is right, and not the ability to carry it out. So like I said, sanctification is a process. It is a growing and a learning and not an instant fix to our struggle for sin, with sin. And it is a relying on God to carry that out. That's what it is. It's not anything that I can do. It's my reliance on God who can do that. So the next one here, the next, um, it's called activism right? Kind of a silly word, um, kind of means something different when you think about it when it comes to what we think activism is. But in the confines of sanctification, activism is something where we think that we can do this on, on our own. We're self-righteous. We can just, you know, we make a mistake, that's all right. I'm just going to pick up myself by my own bootstraps and just go. I got this. I can figure it out. That's not what sanctification is. It's not all you. It's not up to you to do it all on your own because you can't. And it's, that's not what it is. And then that last one there, quietism. It's the exact opposite of activism. I'm just going to sit back. I don't have to change my ways. Let God change me. He'll change me. I believe he'll do that. But I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to engage in the church. God's going to change me. He's got this. Just rely on the Holy Spirit. No. 
No. And really what it is, is kind of a combination of those two things, where it is us doing something, but also relying on God to teach us and us seeking after his wisdom and truth and trusting in him. So it is both the work of the Holy Spirit and our responsibility to walk with Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's our look at what sanctification is and what sanctification is not. So this concept of pursuing holiness and working out our faith and pursuing hard after the statutes of God is not just, I know I used a lot of New Testament examples, but it's not just found in the letters of Paul or in the Gospels. But we see this, like Pastor uh, Sam and Mario have said in the past, that the book of Psalms can display these theological concepts with greatness. And we see this several times throughout the book. Um, we see in Psalm 1, uh, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And in Psalm 112, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And we see this several more ways in the Psalms. There's several of them where we see them. Psalm 4, Psalm 15, Psalm 24, 27, 37. I could go on, but that's just a few examples. But today we're going to be focusing on Psalm 101. This is where we're going to hit today. So let's take a look at that. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 101. It'll be up on the screen as well. A Psalm of David. I will walk, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O God. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will, not be, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. They shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in, the way, in that way is blameless, shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off the evildoers from the city of the Lord." Strong words, right? Serious business coming out of King David here. So here we have this psalm. 
And it is written, like I said, by King David while he was king. So he's sitting on the throne and he is ruling in Israel right now. And here we see his commitment to the ways of God. Now, David promises here a life of obedience and holiness. But as we know, David was unable to live up to this, right? He messed up. He was unable to live up to his ideals. He failed many times. However, David, as we saw last week, lived a life of repentance and the pursuit of God's ways. Yeah, he made mistakes. He owned up to them. He repented, but he then still pursued God. So this, uh, just a little bit of background, this song belongs to what's called the Royal Psalms, written by David, like I said, when he was king. And it was uh, later used um, as a coronation psalm, starting with Solomon, which meant when a new king would come, they would read this psalm to institute a new king, which I think is pretty cool because it's a reminder of how a king should act, especially Israel, God's chosen people. You know, a king should be the leader and pursue God's ways and protect those ways. So I think that's pretty neat. So I'm going to reread verse 2, and we're going to talk about that. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. So David is expressing here, because of God's steadfast love, he is committed to leading a blameless life. Because of God's love, he's willing to walk this life committed to God and committed to his statutes. He's attentive to the lessons of wisdom found in God's word and applying, uh, um, I'm sorry. So as believers, we are to lead a life that is diligent in observing the ways of the Lord, not just reading them and learning them, but also applying them to our lives. That's key. You can know everything in here, but if you don't do it or apply it to your life, then it doesn't work. So we are to seek after Christ and to live lives of integrity. Psalm 119, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man, or I'm sorry, yeah, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And then Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those, uh, those of blameless ways are his delight. So it's our call to walk with integrity, which equals a call to reflect Christ. That's what it is. Like at the beginning, um, when I gave the definition of what sanctification is, the purpose of sanctification is to set us apart for God's purpose. And that purpose is to share Christ, to reflect Christ 
so that we can share the gospel with a broken world. That's it. Let's take another look here at verse 3. Uh, here, David, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to reread that and then we'll talk about it. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. So here David is speaking against sin and evil and that he seeks to emulate the ways of God and not tolerate the unrepentant sinner. He's just saying, like, I'm not going to live this life of sin. I don't want to be around it. I want to seek the ways of God. I want to be with God, not the world and not with sin. Psalm 40, verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. As imitators of Christ, we must renounce the ways of sin and focus on that which pleases God. We need to walk in the light and flee from the darkness. And that includes something like knowing ourselves, knowing what, what causes me to sin, knowing what causes me to stumble, and then staying away from that. If I know that I can't have a drink of alcohol or drink alcohol and then lose control, I probably should stay away. If I've struggled with alcohol in the past, I should probably stay away from people who engage in that because it's going to cause that. It's just an example. If I know that I'm tempted to look at something inappropriate on the internet, then maybe I should have some safeguards in place. I need to keep away and put away the sin and focus on God. And that, like I said, and that big focus is knowing, you know, our enemy isn't quiet. He's not silent. He doesn't just sit back and be like, oh, they'll mess up eventually. No, he attacks us. He goes after us. And he uses our weaknesses against us sometimes. And that's why it's important to be seeking after God. And then here in verse 8, Morning by morning I will destroy all the wickedness in the land, cutting off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. So David is not saying, I'm just going to do this sometimes. Sometimes I'll seek after God. You know, maybe every Tuesday or Thursday evenings, that works. That fits into my schedule as king. So that's what I'm going to do. No, it's daily. It's a daily commitment for, the, for King David to love justice and turn away from evil. He's taking stock every day. It is a battle every day. Like I just said, there's, there's no off-season. The enemy doesn't take a break. It's something that we should be doing daily, seeking after God daily. So we see this here in the Psalm, Psalm 101, where David is proclaiming the statutes of God and walking in those ways. He's not putting up with the ways of the world anymore. He's choosing God's ways and God's statutes over man. Wickedness and evil have no part in his life or that of Israel's, or that of the kingdom that he's ruling. 
And like I said before, yeah, he's made mistakes, he's failed, but he's still pursuing. He's still proclaiming, he's still going after God. So are we doing the same? Are we looking at our own lives, at ourselves, and seeing what we do and how we handle things, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we relate to God and how we spend time with him? Do they align with God's ways or is it my own flesh? Am I choosing to walk towards a life set apart for God or am I choosing a life that walks contrary to God. All in all, friends, we must seek after Christ. We must pursue to imitate him. And taking the task of holiness and pursuing God seriously, taking this process of learning and deepening our faith seriously. Are we doing that? We must be doing it. And God is clear on what he asks of us and what he calls us to uh, pursue. And that is very clear, like I read at the beginning in Leviticus. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord, your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. He's the one. That sets us apart. It makes us clean. It makes us holy. So there are, are three things that we need to make sure that we are focusing on. And I didn't, I apologize, I didn't put this in the PowerPoint so you could write it down, but I'll say it a couple times. Are we engaging in the Word? Are we picking up the Bible? Are we spending time in God's Word? Are we focusing on what he says is good and true and right? Second, are we spending time in prayer? Are we coming before God and just listening and spending time with the Lord in prayer? It's another big one. And then the last one, are we being a part of the body of Christ? Are we engaging with fellow believers? Are we building relationships? Are we coming to church and worshiping? Big deal. So the three things are engaging in the word, engaging in prayer, and being an active part of Christ's body. I think those three things are so vitally important to the process of sanctification. They're key. So to sum it up, Sanctification is the process of growing and deepening of faith in Christ so that we can be made more like Him. To grow and mature as we do this, as we are growing, maturing, and learning, the desire for God increases, the desire for sin decreases. Remember, and this is so important, we cannot do this without Christ. For it is Christ who came to earth to live a perfect life. He did it. He came to life, or came to earth, 
lived a perfect life, held up every one of God's statutes, died, rose again, and defeated death. And sinned so that we can take part in the kingdom with him. It is only through him that we can have a growing relationship with God. That's it. Christ is the only path to having a right relationship with God. And if this is something that you're interested in or have more questions about, please come see Pastor Mario, myself, or one of the other elders. And we would be more than happy to talk to you more about this and to pray with you about it. Um, but please know how important it is. I know for me, without Christ and without Him working out things in my heart, I would be a wreck. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the truth. I don't know how I would be able to maintain, to, to be honest with you. And... Um, for that, I'm truly grateful, and I'm glad we did communion today because it was such, it fits in so well that we can stop, quiet our hearts, and remember the sacrifice that God gave through His Son, Jesus Christ. Also, we can't have our feet in both camps, right? We can't be over here, be of Christ, and also be over here and be in a, in a world of sin. And I wanted to take a moment to read 1 John in chapter 2, where John's writing to the, to the church. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he uh, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So again, we see this example of know the truth, we have to do the truth. We have to imitate Christ. So this week, as we leave, let's dig more into some of these Psalms. Uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 25 and Psalm 112. Pray through the Acts model, focusing on God to center your heart on Him so that you may grow in a relationship with Him. Read those Psalms, focus on them, and then also just take some time each day, 15 minutes. Everybody, I think, has 15 minutes to spare that we can read these and just reflect on them, meditate on them, think about them, Put them into action. Am I seeking wisdom? Am I seeking truth? Am I turning away from a life of sin and imitating Christ? I want to leave you with a quote uh, from Charles Spurgeon. 
Saving faith is an immediate relation to Christ. Accepting, receiving, resting upon Him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of God's grace. So we can't make ourselves holy. It is by Christ that we are made righteous. But we don't stop there. We have to be active, striving towards a life that is set apart in order to reflect Christ to a lost and broken world. That's the purpose that God has called us to. Pray with me, please. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for your guidance and for your wisdom. Lord, I ask that as we depart today that we remember this, that we remember that we are to strive after you and you alone because you're the holy God and you love us so deeply that you sent Christ to die for our sins. So Lord, give us the strength, give us the desire to seek after you and to focus on you so that you can change our hearts and that you can take the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Father God, we love you and we thank you so much. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.